Welcome to Word on the Street, a weekly podcast from Barclays where our experts help ordinary investors make sense of the latest news and events impacting the world's financial markets. This week, we look at how the latest fall in US inflation, a struggling Chinese economy, and persistent fears of recession could be affecting the global economic outlook. With Maya Welford, behavioural finance expert, and Will Hobbs, Chief Investment Officer. Welcome to another edition of Word on the Street. This week, it's just Will and I covering the latest news and questions from clients. You can see that as the calm before a storm of high quality external guests, thanks to the work of Barry Hutchins, coaxing them onto the podcast. A highlight for me that I'm looking forward to is Peter Harrison, CEO of Schroders and Karen Ward, CIO of JPM Asset Management, coming in to do a review of 2023 and a preview of 2024 with you, Will. Yes, a great coup from Barry, isn't it? Yes, yeah, so right, like you rightly say, they're both great, great guests. We're really looking forward to that. None of the sort of mealy-mouthed stuff that I tend to trot out. We'll get opinions out of these two for sure. So for this week, we've had important inflation data in the US, a pretty interesting cabinet reshuffle in the UK, more news out of China, and the industry is cranking out the 2024 outlook documents. It could almost be festive, I think. Almost. <laughs> almost. Yeah, I had my first mince pie. And wow, Crowbar I my... haven't. Haven't you? No. Okay. No, I've started in the kind of, um, in the value end. I'm, I'm working my way up. Nice. I'm going to try and try every mince pie. I also tried to crowbar myself into my Christmas jumper on Monday evening. So just to test it out. <laughs> yes. And to your point, actually, it, it is the sort of season of Outlook document. So our colleagues in Buckley's private bank have published their 2024 Outlook uh, for their clients this week. Well worth a read for those looking for some interesting thoughts on the year ahead and what to do about it as an investor. Uh, and actually, the Barclays Investment Bank has also put out their outlook. So lots of content for our various clients to get their teeth into. Definitely. And we'll get to the year ahead in just a second. But what about the US inflation print this week, Will? Yes, it was big news in market land. Maya, you are right. It was a smaller than expected rise in core inflation that spurred a kind of bond market party with yields if there is such a thing these are pretty sober guys obviously but but yeah yields plunging on the day as investors kind of celebrated the perceived and long-awaited peak in interest rates that party in the bond market obviously spilled over into stock markets and elsewhere as risks were taken off the table or perceived to be taken off the table and valuation headwinds lessened a little bit so it was good news basically some of the sort of weirdness associated with pandemic labor markets you know employment backdrops namely uh, in the US in particular there was this kind of intimidatingly large gap between the number of workers looking for jobs and the number of jobs available that was seen to be, you know, exerting upward pressure on wages and so on. That's closed a lot. So inflationary pressures are subsiding on multiple measures. So the increasing sense is that central bankers have achieved the miraculous, cooling an inflationary hump without so far crashing the economy. It's too early to call the all clear yet, of course, if there's ever a time to call the all clear. There are some creaks and strains in the US economy we've been talking about. We've mentioned them a lot. But it'd be churlish to deny the success so far, I think, in keeping with the nearly festive season. And the UK inflation print also came in better or lower than expected, Will? Yes, very much so. So good news all round and very welcome. This sort of caveat applies to the US story I just spoke about too, obviously, but be very careful in over-interpreting these data points. Inflation remains an unpredictable foe, a psychological leech as such, and we'll be analysing this latest inflation hump, not just we, society, broader world, we'll be analysing this inflation hump for a while before reliably establishing causes and consequences. So, But hopefully, you know, peak 
in hopefully the peak in interest rates is a little bit plausible around the developed world now, including UK. Mm. And that is helpful. Thanks. And if we just stick with the UK, there was quite a lot of interest in the cabinet reshuffle this week for obvious reasons. The return of a former prime minister and the exit of a future hopeful. And there are many implications in this for the economy, for elections next year, for investors. I guess the fall in inflation will be as welcome to the government as it will be to the rest of us. Very welcome indeed. Yes. And like you say, I'm not sure there's too much in the reshuffle for investors to pay attention to. The reminder here is that the UK economy is all but irrelevant for the globally diversified investor. To be honest, the UK economy, as we've said before, doesn't even play a majority role in the domestically quoted indices. So the FTSE 100 or the FTSE 250, you know, the, the others you've heard of, I think, you know, maybe just a majority influence in the FTSE 250. It remains the US economy that sets the beat for even those UK domiciled indices. Even so, for those of us living here, there was potentially lots of consequential stuff in the news from the Supreme Court ruling to the makeup of the new cabinet. But I think I will leave that to sharper, better informed minds to analyse. I think the main thing to think about with the UK at the moment is that household incomes adjusted for inflation are now growing handily for the first time in a while. That's not much talked about amongst the doomers. It's true of Europe and US consumers too, but it's also a good reason to continue to treat these economies as innocent until proven guilty rather than the reverse. Yeah, and we're coming to the end of the quarterly earnings season when we get downloads from the world's companies on how they're doing. It's not quite done yet, but are there any messages we can derive? Yes. Now, as you know, Maya, we see these quarterly corporate earnings dumps as, a, as providing a lot more noise than signal for investors. It's mostly best seen as a kind of game of cat and mouse between chief executives and equity analysts, you know, the people tasked with trying to understand these companies and study them and sort of find out where they're going. The former, i.e. the chief executives, have an advantage of seeing a lot more of the business than the analysts who have to mostly guess at this. In terms of the messages to derive, you could certainly point out that corporate outcomes, so earnings, cash flows, revenues and all the rest of it, look a lot better than might have been expected at the beginning of the year when doom and gloom was even more pervasive than it is now. That's across much of the developed world. The second thing is there was a bit more punishment for the misses than usual. And I'm talking about, you know, companies guide analysts to sort of and the market to expect a certain amount of earnings. And they do that in the run up to these earnings announcements. And then if they miss those earnings expectations, that's what I'm talking about with regards to a miss and the punishment that the market has meted out to those companies have missed is a little bit greater, a little bit more than usual, which sort of points to that kind of slightly febrile market atmosphere of the moment that you will have all noticed. Also, I would point to a sl slight slowdown in the growth of um, sort of capital expenditure, which is something to watch out for and consistent with a slightly more cautious vibe from the world's you know major quoted companies. I wouldn't overdo this, though, to be honest. And finishing off with the summit between Presidents Biden and Xi in San Francisco, have you got any thoughts on this, Will? Yes, I think I have, Maya. Not too many, but yes. <laughs> I mean, it's some, some, there's some apparent cooling of temperatures, which is you know obviously to be welcomed, I think. But again, we're a bit wary of majoring on the kind of geopolitical temperature measurement and how that translates into investments. There was actually quite an interesting point made by one of our research providers. This is kind of, you know, other 
focused investment groups who we pay for their expertise and sort of get their views as well as uh, to sort of blend with our own or to help inform our own and sort of you know give us extra reach as such. And like I said, there's quite an interesting point. Basically, these guys did a, a deep assessment on a load of different potential indicators of use of perceived use to investors from you know business surveys like the ism manufacturing survey we're always banging on about to corporate profits to to to, to various indices of geopolitical risk and the question they asked themselves was basically whether if you knew how the indicator in question would move over the next six months would it help you as an investor would it make you do better decisions you know make more money basically now actually the geopolitical risk index came right at the bottom in terms of useful indicators. There are a load of reasons for that. We won't go into it here, otherwise it'll, it's, it's a longer separate podcast, let's say, but there's mm-hmm. lots of reasons for that. But it is just something, it's something just to keep in mind, given how much time and effort the industry devotes to talking about geopolitical risk and sort of, you know, chewing it over. It, it, it's a little bit of an unknown. Well, not a little bit of an unknown. It's a massive unknown. The other point to make, I think, is that China's economy is still in, in a relatively precarious position. So the data we've had this week has not been great. And I think one of the things that some people have been pointing out with regards to the housing market is that if you look at kind of real-time indicators of housing transactions, they're down around, you know, latest count at about 60% down from the peak in terms of, you know, China property peak. But construction is so far down only 10%. So that suggests that there's still quite a headwind for the Chinese economy to digest in terms of what's coming down the pike from the property property market. So it's a difficult outlook. I mean, overall, as usual, you know, and this is the point a little bit on the geopolitical side of things is that the major points to take away and to to remember is that there's a reason why we talk about the global economy and the UK and the US, all, all its constituent parts being needed to be treated as innocent until proven guilty. And that is that growth is the norm, not the exception. And that is really what to focus on with regards to investors. There's all sorts of distractions and geopolitics can be one of those. It's not to say that this stuff isn't, isn't important to us as human beings on this planet, but for investors... There's other stuff to consider and the world's capital markets, they dance to many, uh, many tunes. But the most important one is the US economy, the outlook for the US economy and the outlook for productivity. And actually, those two areas specifically, I would say, are looking pretty good at the moment in terms of the sort of short to medium term outlook. So stick with it is the usual advice and tune out the noise. Thank you, Will. I think that's a really great note to leave it on. We've covered a lot of ground there, but it's been a short and sweet episode. Thank you, everyone, for listening. That's it for another episode of Word on the Street. All investments can fall as well as rise in value, and their past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance. This podcast is not a personal investment recommendation.